Welcome to the Cathedral Library Bible Podcast. I'm Rob Steele. And I'm Jordan Duncan. And our desire with this podcast is to show you how easy and enjoyable it is to come to Scripture and walk away having heard the words of God and being changed by Amen. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode four. Um, in this one, we're going through chapter two as well as chapter three, verses one through six. Uh, I'm Jordan Duncan, and I'm here with Rob Steele. And, um, <laughs> sorry, Father Rob. Oh, gosh. He gets so mad when I don't call him that. <laughs> um, Rob, do you want to start us off? Sure. Uh, okay, so we uh, ended with uh, Jesus cleansing the leper uh, and him telling him to be quiet, but he didn't. Uh, went and told everyone anyways. Um, and so now we are uh, into chapter 2. We're going to continue on this whole section that we have here is very similar stories to uh, kind of what we ended with at the end of our last episode. Um, So we have Jesus returning to Capernaum. Uh, He is gathering together with a group of people and the place is packed. There's no room to stand anywhere in there, not even in the door any longer because they're packed right outside of the uh, place that they're staying. Um, and this is the, the really famous story of the men lowering their friend through the roof so that Jesus may heal him, uh, which Jesus does, uh, but not before he uh, goes on and offends a whole bunch of people. Mm-hmm. So he starts, uh, he sees their faith and his response to their faith is forgiving sins, uh, which is beautiful. Um, the scribes, which I think is awesome to hear that it's not just random people that are there, but leaders are right. starting to come and be in the midst of Jesus' teaching, uh, have a gut response, which is, this is blasphemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, only God can res- can uh, forgive sins. Mm-hmm. Jesus gives them a pretty stern response, uh, but through question and uh, questions, he doesn't let them answer, some rhetorical questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and then heals the man anyways. Um, and so... This is kind of the first story uh, in the chapter, in chapter two. What are you thinking, Jordan, on this one? I'm thinking as I just, um, so we just read through this just now. And I said to you before we hit record, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to respond to any of these. (laughs) And so I'm thinking about that and thinking every um, sermon that I've heard about this passage uh, puts me in the place of the friends of the guy being healed. Mm. And, you know, do I have enough faith to do what it takes, like rip apart a roof and, you know, get to Jesus however necessary? Right. Uh, Do I have that kind of faith? Is my faith being put into practice? And I think there's stuff to be said there and thought about, certainly. Um, But this story in the context of the four that follow it, where repeatedly Jesus is offending people by what he's doing in the way he is um, living out the kingdom and showing he's the Messiah, or as here he refers to himself as the son of man. I wonder if I'm supposed to be in the place of those he's offending Mm. and question if the way of Jesus, I think what I said last time about if I'm letting Jesus be Jesus, how does that offend me and the way I live life Mm. or the way I, especially the way I live out my Christian life. Yeah. I don't know if offense is even the right word, um, but how does that come up against 
what I'm doing in my Christian life? Yeah. And how does it challenge maybe yeah. my preconceptions of what I'm doing? That's really good. I, I've always had a picture painted in my head. I'm a pretty visual person. So when I read these stories, I imagine what it looked like mm-hmm. and having no idea what it looked like, I give it a, a picture in my head. Yeah. I think I've always thought of the scribes sitting there sternly, not wanting to listen to Jesus, but I don't actually get that read. Yeah, no. It's just a gut response to what Jesus did. Yep. So it doesn't, like they were there. It seems like they were there with everyone else. They were there to hear Jesus who's teaching powerfully and doing crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they're going, oh, you can't do that. Yeah. That's, that's not right. Yeah. They're, they know him as a healer already and as a great preacher. And so yeah. they're showing up for that. And then Jesus takes it a step further to demonstrate that he's more than just a prophet, mm-hmm. um, putting himself in the place of Yahweh able to forgive sins and even in a little bit, the sense of uh, putting himself, I think in the place of the temple, Mm. because that's where these interactions of forgiveness with God would take place. Mm. And they're going, hold on, wait, this is not the way our religion works. Yeah. I, and, and they don't even, let me just read here. They said they're sitting there questioning yeah like they don't even say it Mm -hmm. they do it in their hearts and he perceives their spirits (laughs) yeah just think of how many times like how many times on a sunday morning is the preacher preaching Mm -hmm. and you go "Mm, Mm -hmm. come on man yeah whoa wow really yeah or someone says something when they're praying and you go "Mm, oh boy (laughs) shouldn't do that and i think like this is what jesus is correcting in them oh man and he publicizes it (laughs) <laughs> like this has happened in their hearts. We wouldn't yeah. even tell people they've sinned at this point. Right. Yeah. Oh no, no. Like this is not like you can have questions. You just have to deal with it rightly and don't allow it to become sin. And mm-hmm. like, this is some of the teaching around sin, right? That mm-hmm. it's not like, don't act on it. Don't like, there's all of this stuff. And Jesus goes, Hey, I've uh, been noticing that inside, and I'm going to talk with the group <laughs> here about what's going on in you personally. <laughs> and oh, I'm just man. like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> That is exactly, that's where it hits me <laughs> right there. Cause I do that all the time and I'm, and I know I do it all the time where I'm listening to someone preach or speak or pray and judging and going, yeah. uh, I don't know if I would have said it like that. Uh, you know, you, yeah. you're taught to chew the meat and spit out the bones. And so <laughs> you, you do that. Yeah. And so you listen very critically and I, I feel like maybe that's one area I need to pay attention and go, what if, what if Jesus is more like that person is saying mm. than what I've been thinking mm-hmm. and give that some credence and go, Oh, maybe they're actually more right than wrong. Yeah. Oh boy. I, I really, I really like your point about like, he's, he's pulling things out of the temple. He's yeah. And in our first episode, uh, well, on the text itself, our second episode uh, for the, this gospel, we talked a lot about his connecting to the Old Testament. Right. Uh, he does this again here, calls yeah. himself the son of man. Right. Right. And he's, what he's doing now is he's taking those same leaders and he's teaching them mm-hmm. that they've misunderstood. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, I am the son of man of which I've been saying, but you've thought the son of man to be something different than he is. 
the son of man is God, hmm. able to forgive sins. Right. Right. He's reestablishing some of the training that they've had even hmm. in the midst of that, which is really like he's, I, I think I've always seen this as um, really confrontational, which it is. Yeah. But I've always seen it a little bit as like enemy. And I think in part, we're supposed to see it as Jesus teaching and training still. Hmm. Yeah. People that came yeah. to hear Jesus have a gut reaction to something he's do- he does as you can't do that. That's wrong. That's, mm-hmm. that's not true. It's hmm. not right. Yeah. And he says, whoa, why do you think that? You have a misunderstanding of these teachings that you've received. Let me teach you properly. Yeah. So I'm not saying it isn't confrontational. It very much is. But I wonder if it's a little less. No, I think you're right. Because I think it's still under the Mark's um, you know, category of let's talk about some, you know, follow me. Here's yeah. all the follow me stories. And then yeah. Jesus did this and this and people are getting excited and yeah. he's becoming famous. And then, and then he took it too far and said, your sins are forgiven. And yeah. that's, where the, that's where his followers, at least those excited or curious, start um they start or they start to stop yes they start to stop <laughs> receiving his training mm. about yeah. what the kingdom is yeah. who he is and then the next stories keep doing that yeah. i think which is such a it's such an important thing for us devotionally but isn't that also such a dangerous thing like, I mean, I just think, I think through lots of theology that mm-hmm. I go, that's a justification for a lot of bad theology, but it's not wrong mm. at the same time. And I, I think that the, there's a carefulness in which to do that, to say, Jesus is outside of our box here, guys. Yeah. Like he's going to, he's going to confront us consistently, yeah. uh, but he's only going to do that in the same ways that he did it here. Mm. Uh, in, in the scriptures. I'm pointing at the Bible right now. <laughs> None of you can see that. <laughs> I forgot I was talking to people other than Jordan for a second here. Um, it's, oh man, so important. Um, so we're, we go from this where he, now part of his response is to heal him. So I kind of like, mm. oh, here's the point. Here's what his friends wanted. Yeah. Uh, which all of this that we've been talking about happens before he actually fulfills the hope and desires of the friends. Mm-hmm. So these, these, <laughs> these friends have done all this work. They've put in all of this faith for something miraculous to happen. Jesus does something different, which is interesting and yeah. common. <laughs> um, but then he does. He fulfills that. He says, well, for you to understand, let me show you. And he continually, like he did earlier or in chapter, at the end of chapter one, he teaches something. So he teaches them on the Son of Man being God, able to forgive sins, having that authority. And now let me show you, let me do a demonstration to show you that this yeah. it truly is yeah. the authority that I hold. Um, always combining those two things, teaching, yeah. authority, and power, yeah. um, which ends the, the, the first story. Let me ask you a question before we move on from it. Okay. Does it mess with your theology a bit that Jesus is forgiving sins before he's died for them? <laughs> Oh, because I always go, I know I'm forgiven because Jesus died for my sins. Right. And has forgiven me. But here Jesus is, says, I have the authority to forgive sins right now. And this is pre-crucifixion. <laughs> and I, I don't know what to do with that. 
Oh, I'm going to have to think about that. That's really good. And this isn't, the, this isn't even the only place he does that. No. <laughs> yeah, because the, you know, the, even the scribes, what they're saying is only God has the ability to do that, but he only does it through sacrifice, right? They mm-hmm. sacrifice a lamb for their sins. Well, Jesus has now taken the sacrificial system away mm-hmm. in, in a moment saying, well, I'm going to forgive sins just because I want to, yeah. which he's God, so he can do. Yeah. But it's not, yeah, you got me going. I don't know. Yeah. I think maybe a demonstration of he's going, I actually prefer just being merciful. Yeah. The sacrifice isn't, yeah. isn't even, uh, I don't want to say it's not necessary, but it's not the thing. It's not, it's the, not thing. the sacrifice that actually yeah. makes the sins forgiven. It's me because yeah. I want to be merciful. Yeah. Which, which he does, like he does thinking even through uh, the, some of the latter prophets, he says that, right? I lost mm-hmm. your heart. Like I, I don't want bulls. I don't want the blood of bulls. Yeah. I want your heart. Yeah. And that's his concern ultimately. But, uh, but that is really good. Really good. Forgiving sins hasn't yet died on the cross. I mean, there's some pretty like existential like big things you could start. Yeah. If Stephen was here, he'd start talking about <laughs> how the cross goes throughout all time and yeah. space, and then we get into physics and Einstein. <laughs> Theory of theories. relativity now is understood through uh, the cross. Okay. Yeah, you got me there. I I don't have an answer for you, but now my brain's kind of going. You might have to do the rest of this one by yourself. I don't. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have an answer either. Let's just move on. Okay. So. Uh, Maybe just one thing about that for yeah. anyone that's listening. That's really fun and okay. Do that. Mm-hmm. Ask yourself questions. Let yourself go to places that you don't know the answer to mm-hmm. in your devotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a constant process. This is how I learn. Is I constantly am in awe of stuff that God does, and yeah. I go, "Oh man, I want to find out what that what that is." Yeah. Uh, it's a it's an actual. Uh, I start pursuing Him as an act of worship. And I think that that just even now I can feel it in me. Mm-hmm. That question makes me go, oh God, you're so much bigger than what I put you in the box of. Yeah. Now I want to learn where, where you say you are in that yeah. place. Um, so just let yourself go there when you're doing devotions, uh, when you're in the scriptures, ask those questions uh, and realize that there is a good answer. God mm-hmm. will speak to you about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's going to reveal it to you. And that's part of the, that's part of the fun. Mm-hmm. And likely that he's spoken to others yeah. about it. Others have thought about that. Yeah. Like there's, we're sitting in a room with a whole bunch of books on the Bible. I'm sure someone yeah. on one of these pages that talks about that. Totally. But it might take some time before I find that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay. So we were jumping from verse 12 into verse 13 uh, and Jesus is once again, just meandering. Uh, he goes for a walk one more time, <laughs> yep. uh, walking by the sea a crowd is coming to him. Uh, he's, his fame is growing and he can't seem to go anywhere without having people, uh, following him or with him at all times. And he teaches them, uh, continually. And he passes by Levi, uh, who is sitting in a tax booth and very simply and kind of echoing what we saw his call to the disciples in, uh, the first chapter, he says, follow me. Uh, and Levi, very similar to the disciples, jumps out uh, of his uh, workplace, which is his tax booth, and follows him. Uh, this leads to uh, them going to Levi's house. 
This leads to Jesus reclining at the table, eating with uh, his disciples and a group of what are known as sinners and tax collectors. Um, what a title. Um, yeah, tax collectors, pretty specific, and a various assortment of sinners. <laughs> That's so good. Um, and then the Pharisees and the scribes, uh, it doesn't t- tell us exactly how this happens, but they, they're around, uh, see this, and they are trying to figure out why is he willing to do this? It doesn't make any sense. This is wrong one more time. And Jesus is offending uh, their sensibilities as he did in the last story. Uh, And then he comes with one of the most famous lines Mm. uh, when talking about evangelism or mission or any of those things. uh, And that is that he says, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Um, yeah, there we are. Mm-hmm. I think that's great news. <laughs> As uh, someone who would be in the various assortment of sinners, I think, <laughs> I go, well, that's good. Mm-hmm. But then I think it's also a challenge because I think Jesus would say to me, like he's saying, it's not like the Pharisees weren't sinners, mm-hmm. but it's almost like he's saying, you're fine. Like, you're, yeah. quit paying attention to your stuff. Wow. And go, I mean, he's not, he's not telling them here to go do likewise, but yeah. I think as we're reading, we're supposed to go, what does it mean to follow Jesus? This is what Jesus did. If, if you're someone who's concerned about righteousness, then maybe that's enough Interesting. I don't think I've ever heard it put that way. I like that, that he's actually telling them. Uh, it changes the story a bit because I think I've always heard it as um, he's saying to them, you don't even realize you're sinners. Mm. And I'm here for the people that get the fact that they need me. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I think is true. And I think you, obviously you just said that mm-hmm. where you're saying you find yourself in these in the assortment of sinners. Right. But I think that that actually also spegs, it speaks to the tension that I think we're called to live in, which is this tension between I am a sinner and I'm a saint, mm-hmm. right? And so it, I, I'm making connections here that the text does not do. It's yeah. just my devotional connections. Yeah. But it seems to even kind of connect back to in chapter one, when we talked about uh, the call, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, this idea of, the two great commandments, this mm. idea of the great commission along with salvation. Uh, this once again, this, even the way you've spoken about this story reading to you, it does both again. It both says, you got to see that you're still a sinner and you need me. Come recline at the table with me. Yeah. At the mm. same time, he's saying, I've come to find those who are sinners and you should be too. Yeah. This should not be a surprise to you. Yeah. Um, so it kind of speaks to both the mission he sends us on to do likewise with him, mm-hmm. but also that we are still sinners in need of grace. Yeah. So it kind of holds both intention again. Yeah, I think so. And I think maybe I'm putting a bit more emphasis on the one because I'm reading, um, I think I'm reading the parable of the good, not the good Samaritan, the, um, prodigal son into this for some reason. Like it just, uh-huh. this, it connected when I read this, it connected to that parable, which isn't in Mark, I don't think, um, where the point there is he's saying, you know, you're, 
He's saying to the son who's been there in the father's house the whole time, like, you've been here the whole time. You've been, mm-hmm. you've been a great son. You could have had any of this at any point. Like, this is all available to you. Hmm. So let's go get other people who aren't here and bring them back in. It's great. But I, I, yeah, I like that reading of it. I think that it works. I don't think I've ever read it that way. But I think that that makes a lot of sense. That's really good. I, I, I appreciate you bringing that into it because I needed that. Um, so that, that takes us into verse 18. A uh, question about fasting is how it's titled in the ESV. Uh, John's disciples uh, and the Pharisees were fasting. Um, and they come to John's disciples and uh, ask why the disciples of Jesus do not fast. Um, or Sorry, they, they come to Jesus. John's disciples come to Jesus to ask him this. And he goes on this really interesting uh, answer. Uh, I, I really want to hear your opinion on once I finish explaining it. This was the big question I was going to give you for, for today. <laughs> Dang um, it, this is the one I, had, I was going to ask you about. <laughs> um, so he goes on, he talks about, uh, you know, you don't fast at a wedding um, while you're with the bridegroom. You would do that while they're not there. So now they're currently with the bridegroom being Jesus. So they don't need to be fasting for him. They don't need to be uh, looking and waiting for him. But then he goes on to kind of throw some parable type stuff at it uh, as well, talking about not sewing a patch of unshrunken cloth on an old garment, not using an old wineskin for new wine, um, and just kind of adds these analogies to uh, the answer. I mean, all three of them are analogies. Um, I think I, to be to be totally frank, when I read that, it takes me a bit to try and wrap my head around it, uh, try and figure out what exactly he means. I think I get the wedding one. He's the bridegroom, yeah, and we don't have to fast, which is like a waiting and longing because he's there, so you yeah. don't you don't fast for him, right? Uh, so that makes some sense. And he's just saying, uh, you know, the fasting that they're doing in the physical uh, is a fasting for the sake of God to be with them. Hmm. God is with them. Mm-hmm. So I, I can see that one there. The other ones, I'd like to hear your opinion, <laughs> um, put you on the spot and see where, how do you make that connection? Okay. First of all, I'm going to start with something I feel confident on. Yes. The bridegroom. Yeah. Um, that's a hyperlink back to like when the Old Testament talks about the bridegroom, it's talking about the bridegroom of Israel, which is Yahweh. Right. Right. And he's referring to himself as huge. The bridegroom. Wow. Which is crazy. Again, just so offensive yeah. to this group of people, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Wow. I have the authority to forgive sins. I'm the bridegroom of Israel. <laughs> what? No big deal. Yeah. And in between those two things, I'm fellowshipping and sharing table with sinners. Oh my goodness. So that messes with a lot of... Yeah, because that's like, hey, remember how God can have nothing to do with sin? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go hang out together. Yeah. That, yeah, that's a... It starts raising questions about holiness yeah. and the law, which is what the next two stories will address. Yeah. Um, I don't understand sewing or wine enough <laughs> to really get this. I'm, I think, so my mind tries to like piece it down. 
you know, phrase by phrase and go and follow like the sentence as an equation and figure it out. <laughs> and I think it's more helpful for me to stand back and go, I think what he's saying, if I understood either of sewing or wine better, is you need to be, you need to be aware of what you have on your hands and what you're dealing with mm. and deal with that thing appropriately. If you have new wine, if you're dealing with new wine, you've got to know what to do with it. Mm. And what you don't do with it, apparently, is put it in an old wine skin because the wine skin will burst. And then the wine, and then the, what you have on your hands, the new wine is destroyed, he right. says. Right. And so are the skins. Right. Um, hmm. And so, what's the deal with the cloth, the unshrunk cloth? It's a new cloth on an old garment. You don't do that. So, you need new, if you've got something new, I think you need to react to it in new ways. Yeah. Uh, he said it ends with new wine is for fresh wine skin. So, you need a fresh, if you have something fresh that you're dealing with, something new. You've got to react to it. You've got to learn how to deal with it in new and fresh ways. Yeah. And so maybe John and the Pharisees are fasting, an old practice, yeah. longing for something new. Yeah. And Jesus says something new showed up. Yeah. You've got to react to that and pay attention and, and work. Yeah. Um, I don't know. No, I, I hear you. I, this was hard. I, yeah. I wrote the question in my book to ask you because I didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I did too. And you, you ended up being the guy to intro it. So. Um, I think the, it's, it's not even, I, I think the reason that it's difficult is because it, I can't tell if we would just be reading too much into it to try and make it something that it's not, mm -hmm. right? Like, I think you're right. I think it's actually quite, quite a bit more general that the response that he has, it's not to be like deeply like rooted out. And yeah. I, I feel like he's just saying, yeah, you fast because you're longing for God. God's mm -hmm. here. Yeah. And my disciples who believe this don't need to fast mm -hmm. because they're following me. And if you weren't following mm -hmm. me, of course you would need to fast because you're looking for God somewhere else. Yeah. And I just think that, it makes some sense. Like you're, it's exactly what you said. Just the response needs to be to what's right in front of you in your own hands. And the disciples of John, well, who was John? What was John? Uh, well, right. What was John doing? Well, he was making a way for the coming Messiah. So the disciples of John are going to be fasting mm -hmm. as preparation for the coming. Yeah. Well, the disciples of Jesus are going. Well, he's here. Yeah. I don't need to be fasting because you're fasting to wait for him, and I'm I'm with him. Yeah. Right. I. Yeah, I, th I can't see it being more than that. And again, I haven't studied it. So maybe mm -hmm. I'll get into a commentary and go, oh. Oh, <laughs> I've seen that. Yeah, I did not see all of those connections. Well, there, now but. I'm thinking, uh, like, the best study you can do is read what that's saying around the passage, like, the passages around it. Yeah. Put it in context and go, how do these two things, what do these have to do with each other? Yeah. So now I'm looking at the, the two passages coming up. And thinking, this could be an introduction to them saying, right. why are you still doing the old thing? Because the old thing, the way of Israel was supposed to lead to a new thing. Yeah. A, a new creation. Yeah. And so then the Pharisees and whoever are coming saying, why aren't you still doing this old thing, fasting? Mm. And Jesus says, because the new thing's here. 
and you yeah. got to pay attention to what happens when the new thing shows up. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to right. live with it. Yeah, it's good. So then goes into the next story, which is um, they're going through, Jesus and the disciples are going through grain fields, picking grain off, and uh, and that was a problem. Because <laughs> it was on the Sabbath, and so yeah. what they were doing was considered work. Um, and therefore not in accordance with the law. Yeah. And I think the end of this one, the same point is being made. They're complaining about why aren't you following the old thing, the law, which was supposed to lead to new creation. Yeah. And Jesus is like, you can't see that the new thing's already here. Yeah, totally. So there's a new way of, there's a new way of um, maybe welcoming new creation that isn't the law. Yep. Because it's now here, and so you got to learn how to welcome it yep. now that it can show up. Yeah. And not just in a, how did Paul put it? The law is like a babysitter. Right. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah, yeah. I, I think that's really good. I, I agree, even like from the parables and the section we were just doing into this, uh, you know, picking grain on the Sabbath. I think consistently uh, Jesus is trying to say, there's a bunch of stuff that's about to change mm-hmm. um, and it is changed. You just don't know it yet. Yeah. Right. And, and so he's living according to the new kingdom that they don't yet understand. Yeah. And so it's uh, offending them in yeah. the sense of this is against everything we've been taught and told, but he doesn't say like his response. I mean, in some respects with the Sabbath one, he does say, guys, the Sabbath was made for man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like this isn't, you weren't created to keep the Sabbath. Yeah. The Sabbath was created for your sake. Don't make it the opposite way. Yeah. And so he does, he does have to correct them on that, but his, what he's doing ultimately is just showing that there are, there are about to be a bunch of things that change. Yeah. There are going to be some things that don't. And the heart has always been the same. Yeah. And I think even for us, like today, we can look back through church history, even, even you know, from uh, Christ's ascension on, mm-hmm. and we can look back and say, well, look at all this stuff that happened back there. If we just do what they did, hmm. we'll receive what they received, right? So there was, you know, endless prayer in Argentina in the 90s. Hmm. And, you know, and because of that, revival broke out. And if we just if we just prayed all the time and we had people set aside just to pray, then revival would probably break out. Right. And I think the, mm. again, God would, Christ would say, you know, prayer is a language for you and I, you know, you're not supposed to be obedient to it. You're obedient to me. Yeah. And I'm kind of doing a different thing right in front of you over here. Yeah. And it might not be flashy like that, or it might not be what you understand like that. It might be, not be normal to you like that was, but I'm still here. And I'm functioning. I'm just doing it in this way now. Yeah. Uh, which, is, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. In the sense, if you can see the big picture, because then it, it once again welcomes us into his story. Yeah. It once again puts the perspective, the proper perspective of Christ is establishing a kingdom on the earth that's already been known. Yeah. And is showing us a new way on the earth that just is a once again a mirroring of his way that's always been there. Mm. And we're, we're just getting welcomed up into his story. Yeah. All over again. Yeah. Um, that makes me think of, I, I remember learning this from uh, a friend of ours and 
I'd say mentor type figure, Larry Moore, yeah. about, he would tell us at Street Invaders, uh, you know, because so, every night at Street Invaders, the Holy Spirit does amazing things. Yeah. And the next night to open the service, I remember Larry would say, the Holy, expect the Holy Spirit to do something, but don't expect him to do what he did last night. Yeah. Yeah. Because every night's going to be different. Yeah. And he's not going to do the same thing twice. He already did it. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What a good, what a good man. We, yeah. I could, I could tell stories of just of how good he is. Yeah. How much I would love to, uh, to be in that. That, that was such a good time. Hey, mm-hmm. mentors and walking with people, uh, that just love Jesus and have this like deep understanding of how God functions. Mm-hmm. Those, those things go like went way over my head as a teenager. Yeah. And now, we can look back and hear those things again and go, oh, that's what you were trying to teach us. Mm-hmm. Oh, I yeah. missed that. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I was expecting the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't but, get how true that was. Yeah. And then I read this and I go, oh, Jesus is, uh, yeah, that's very true to Jesus. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's saying the same thing as Larry Moore. Mm-hmm. That, <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Something, uh, something about this story uh, that I had written beside in my notes here. Yeah. Um, I don't know where I got it from, but that, so Jesus refers to, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry and how he entered into the house and uh, ate the bread of the presence? Um, apparently that story about David is, takes place while David has been anointed as rightful king, mm-hmm. but is waiting with his small band of disciples, mm-hmm. David's disciples, to be enthroned as king. Which I wonder. Interesting. I wonder if Jesus is making a reference to himself, going, "Yeah, I'm the king. Yeah. I'm kind of here with my small band of men, waiting for my enthronement. Wow. And here's what I'm doing. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. So he's pulling more. He's pulling a, a theme of the story, not just the act. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah. He's like, remember when David did that? Remember David? Yeah. Remember what was <laughs> happening there? Yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, that's good. I like yeah. that. Wow. Um, the, the connection then just, uh, again, like you said at the beginning, it just continues on with these consistent stories. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we're into chapter three now, verse one, where they've entered the synagogue, which again, I love this stuff where, you know, we've just seen this stuff where he's saying, you know, he's kind of offending some of the old things of the law, mm-hmm. but he's still attending the synagogue. Yeah. Uh, you know, so he's not throwing it all out. No, but he's uh, continuing on with these, uh, with these things. Um, I think that the what I was struck by in these first six verses is so he comes in and he they're waiting to see if he's going to heal this man, right? They're kind of it's almost a setup, like oh no, is Jesus going to you know do something again that he shouldn't do? But he welcomes them in. Mm-hmm. And his response of frustration is that he's welcomed them into a conversation with him about why, giving them the opportunity to be taught and trained and to step into a further discipleship with him. Mm-hmm. And instead they won't say anything and that frustrates him. Hmm. His response is, oh, guys, seriously? <laughs> like he, yeah. he's giving them the opportunity to do it right and to do it well. And so even though they've already judged him before he starts, he still welcomes them into the process. He doesn't actually judge them in response um, as his gut reaction. He says, I know you don't like this. I know it's offending your sensibilities. 
come here, mm-hmm. right? That's actually what he says, come here. <laughs> and he asks them a question and he waits for them. He wants to be in an interaction. He wants to build a relationship with them, yeah. gives them an opportunity. And it is confrontational in the sense of he's, he's bringing it out into the open, <laughs> but he's, he's just trying to welcome them in is what it feels like. Hmm. Yeah. And he, so he responds to them with anger, but in that sentence, you see that the anger is out of grief. Right. Which makes sense to the discipleship stuff, right? It's yeah. like, oh, guys. Yeah. And I think this is, this story and the one before it, maybe the one about fasting, who knows what that's about, is <laughs> I think this is making an important point that sometimes is very unclear in the stories about Jesus and then it's even un- more unclear when Paul and James start talking about the law mm. is what's Jesus's attitude to the law. What's mm-hmm. his, um, yeah. Um, and I think here it gets really clear that Jesus is saying that God's law was meant to serve you, not the other way around. So that's the, the story before it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this one is, is that the law was supposed to, it was given so that they may live. Like it was, yeah. the law was supposed to meant to lead to, to lead to life. Yeah. And he's upset because they're using it to restrict life. Yeah. Wow. Hold back, um, keep people from life and full life and from healing and... That's really good. And I think that brings some clarity to what, um, whatever other stories we find about Jesus and how he interacts with those who are so dedicated to the law. You should have really just started with that, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized it now. Doesn't that, doesn't that change all, like, doesn't that give context to all the stories we just read? I think so. Where he's, he's saying... Uh, essentially that's what he says in the Sabbath one, Mm -hmm. right? Sabbath was made for you, not you for the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. Again, over and over again, he's, he's going, God gave you this. He's giving, he gave it to you for your sake. Yeah. Not putting you into a system for the system's sake to make the system function. Yeah. You don't serve the law as a system. Yeah. The law is supposed to serve you. And I think, so what Jesus carries on and, shows us how to live is um, by he uses the law for his sake. Yeah, wow. And he makes it um, serve him and his needs. Yeah. Which I think was the original intent. Hmm. um, That you might do these things and live. I I feel like that's some, maybe that's just a paraphrase, but (laughs) I feel like in Deuteronomy it's talking about, yeah, you know, these, this is supposed to lead to lead to blessing. And here, so he's, he questions them. Is it lawful dot, dot, dot to save or to kill? Yeah. Is the law about life or death? Yeah. Which, which, that's a huge question he's asked them. Yeah. Right. And they won't answer. No. Like that's. I think they start seeing where everything they're doing is wrong. (laughs) And they're like, uh, we, we're going to have to think about that one. Yeah. Oh, don't say anything because we're in trouble. Yeah. That's like a. We. Yeah. Yeah. That's my, that's me. When I realize I'm in trouble, I go quiet. Yeah. I don't say anything. I just go, Oh no. <laughs> I, I have the right to remain silent. 
<laughs> everything I'm about to say will be used yes. against me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's really good. That's really helpful, Jordan, because I think that you've I think you've nailed it. I think we come back to it uh, again, and we're going to hit it in other stories moving mm-hmm. forward. Um, Jesus is teaching that He has done something for the sake of our life. Yeah, and it's His work, and it's His way, and He's the King over it, and we're welcomed into it. Yeah. For the sake of life. It's yeah. beautiful. Wow. That is good news. That is very good news. I love that. Um, you have anything else on this last little bit before we end this one? Uh, just the note that the last verse, the Pharisees uh, held counsel with the Herodians against him, and they're starting to figure out how to destroy him. Yeah. So that's the political and religious realms uniting. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. That I've, I've heard a few sermons that have shook me. Hmm. about uh, are you a Pharisee or are you a Herodian? Hmm. Uh, and that there's, there's a different way than either yeah. of those, but that we can be overly righteous yeah. or we can be against the overly righteous by being a Herodian, hmm. which is of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and Christ Whoa. calls us into a new way. Hmm. So that has nothing to do with what we're talking about here, but that is a huge statement when you realize that those that actually dislike each other, yeah. want nothing to do with one another in the sense of the Pharisees were yeah. like a hundred percent anti-Herodian. Like, like yeah. Herod was an evil man. He was a sinner, right? Yeah. They didn't even want Jesus sitting with tax collectors. Mm-hmm. And now they're conspiring with those they thought were evil mm. because they've found a common enemy. It's true. Yeah. So yeah, it's big. Mm. Well, I think that uh, is the end of our next or this episode. It's taken us to chapter three, verse six. Uh, this is a lot of fun. I uh, hope you're enjoying it and just entering with us. Uh, just remember again, we're not looking to uh, study through this stuff. Uh, if you're following along with us, we just ask that you read, mm-hmm. uh, that you write a bit. Uh, you know, take some notes, some thoughts, um, listen in. Uh, let. Let the Lord, uh, you know, speak to you if, if possible through what we've said. Some of it is just a lot of, uh, I don't know, uh, which is what I did this time yeah. through most of it. Um, but uh, we really want this to be a blessing to you is just to see that God can speak uh, as you go to the scriptures uh, on your own, in your devotions, uh, without the the help or use of a ton of extra texts uh, on a daily basis. Um we really believe that he's going to speak to all of us as we open up uh, the word and look to him. Uh, That's all we got for today. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.